And now it's time to bait our hooks, cast our nets, drop our poles in the water, and fish for some jokes with Down on the Dock. Well, well, well. Welcome to episode 59 of Down on the Docks. Uh, my name's Chris Neff. I'm joined as always by my co-host and partner, Dave Sarah. How are you, buddy? Sup, pussies? Oh, so we're doing this, huh? We're doing it, dude. Uh, a lot of people are already uh, commenting on your new I already opener. got the emoji from... Retard sexual blowtorch. The mushroom stamp of approval is there. It's happening. Well, some people are saying it's um, it's a statement that you're making between every episode. It's sure. not a question. It, so I'm going to allow it for now. Um, is that a statement or a question? That's like <laughs> what fucking Tom Likas used to say back in the day. <laughs> hey, what's up, Tom? Is that a statement or a question? Blow me up, Tom. Blow me up, Tom. And he flushes uh, him. I wish we had a flush noise. That's a good one. We'll, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. Uh, maybe uh, when we get a, little, a bigger sponsor, uh, not to say that we're uh, not happy with our current sponsor. Um, guys, uh, thank you for your positive support of uh, Beanie Mania. Yeah. I actually got a lot of random requests from people because of it. So not did requests, I. but like DMs, you know, just like. So did I. Oh I you God, know how many people so sent me DMs of pictures of Beanie Babies saying, <laughs> I got hey, this, bro. <laughs> what do you think my collection's <laughs> worth? They were like. They uh, want you to appraise it? Well, no, they were like, I got a princess die. One person was like, what do you think my die is worth? And I'm like, five bucks, bro. Yeah, We've yeah. been over this. It what does the tag say? I don't remember. That's what I'm saying. That's the price. The point is, the shit is not worth shit. Correct. Okay. And um, there's literally four Beanie Babies that are worth anything. I, I looked a little more into it. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because that episode's pop so popular, and I told you there were multiple uh, documentaries, I've decided this week's episode is another Beanie Baby uh, documentary called Beanie Mania. No. We're not watching it. No, we're not doing another Beanie. I'm walking off set right now. <laughs> Come on, dude. Beanie Mania. Uh, well, Beanie Babies. Right. Just scratch the surface. Right. This documentary is going to take it to another No, level. man. So I Not can't happening. do it? No, nah, dude. We're going to do something else. All right. Well, luckily... I'm I, putting my foot down. Luckily, I do have another uh, oh, project God. in my back pocket. Oh, thank God. So I'll probably do that alone uh, by myself <laughs> on my Patreon. Most, Not, wow. our page, <laughs> Not our Patreon. Not on your Patreon. <laughs> on my Patreon. After this episode, hey, Dave, uh, how do you set up a Patreon? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty accurate. Um... Of course, uh, if you're new to the uh, podcast, please find us on Twitter at Down on the Docks um, and then uh, Instagram, Down on the Docks Pod. And then, of course, if you want to send us an email, uh, you can find us at Down on the Docks at gmail.com. Mm. Now, Dave, why do we do the podcast? You know, fucking pussy. <laughs> okay. Dave, what is the point of this podcast? Pussy and if, weed. If, if you've never listened, can <laughs> sure. you explain to our listeners sure. how, what this podcast format yes, is? Yes. Chris listens to the podcast. Oh, li nobody listens to the podcast. Chris <laughs> watches the documentary. Correct. And then he very eagerly comes over here, scurries after he's written a lot of notes uh -huh. and transcripts. And I don't even know what else. He's got large letters and small letters. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of work that goes into it. But he eagerly comes over and he explains the documentary to me. 
And at the end of the show, we decide, will Dave watch this or not? Or is this something Dave is interested in? Correct. And so far, we are 59-0. and 0. Well, oh, oh, and 59. Right, really. but you do have Valley Uprising that you Valley say Uprising, you're thinking about it's gonna watching. It's going to happen. It probably okay. will happen at some point. Okay, well, this week's... Um, probably after Skankfest. Before we get into this week's episode, Dave, can you remind our listeners who this week's um, uh, show is sponsored by? This week's episode of Down in the Docks is brought to you by Broccoli Farms. Established in 2016, San Diego. By the way, Broccoli Farms 619 on Instagram. Mm-hmm. San Diego, California by Candace entrepreneur Anthony Bird, our friend Anthony. Nice guy. Never met him. Great guy. Never met him. Broccoli Farms is a modern take on cannabis brands around the world. By combining new terminology involving cannabis worldwide, Anthony created a cannabis brand that uniquely represents the entire cannabis industry as one. Broccoli Farms. How many times did I say cannabis in that sentence? Three, four, maybe four, five. Four. I think four times. You know what? That's also my fault. The lowest delivery minimum in San Diego, bar none. Right. Mary Jane, everybody. Sticky strips. Um, I'm very excited about the only today's. sponsor that I want is Sticky Strips. <clears throat> well, maybe someday. Um, I'm very excited about this week's documentary. Um, this documentary is in my top five of all time documentaries I've ever seen, and you know me; I've seen a lot. This is going to be a shift in tone from our general type show. Now, Dave, you know one of my favorite things to do on the show is sing whenever given the opportunity. Yes. And of course, we have uh, a, a very specific music that we accompany my singing to. We're going to make a change today. Right. <laughs> We're going to make a change today. You will not be hearing my standard musical uh, accompaniment. And I'm going to forego the singing Thank because you. I've made a, oh. an artistic choice yes. that my singing will distract from the storytelling I agree. of this particular documentary. I agree. Yeah, right. agree. Okay. So, Dave, <laughs> no more explanation needed. This week's documentary is called "Searching for Sugar Man." Uh, it was released in 2012. Okay, and it was directed. Who's the Sugar Man? He was directed okay. by a uh, a person by the name of Malik Ben Jewel Ol. Now, I'm probably butchering that. Sounds French. Uh, I think he's Swedish, if I recall. Oh. If I recall. Now, um, we're going to start from the top, of course. This film opens with this magnificent magnificent view behind the wheel of someone driving. They're on the left side of the road, okay? Along with a picturesque coast. You got mountains on the left, and we hear this unfamiliar song. They're in Canada? No. No, they don't drive on the left side of the road there? Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a good guess, though. <laughs> now, eventually, we see a middle-aged man. He's driving this car while singing along to this song. Now, again, I will not be singing. I'm actually going to play the actual music. Sugar man, won't you hurry? Cause I'm tired of these scenes. For the blue corn, won't you bring back all those colors to my dreams silver magic ships you carry jumpers coke sweet mary james isn't that better than me singing that's <laughs> i got into that dude jumpers coke oh, stop. Why? mary no. jane by the way How, who sings that 
Well, we're going to get to it. I can't blow it for you. It's right not now. like an actual, it's not like, a, not like a famous popular song. It is a very famous popular oh, song. Okay. So just so you know, um, during this song, we see this car drive down the road, like I mentioned. But now we see ocean on one side. Okay. Okay. And remember, it's a left-handed driver. So where could they be, Dave? Wait, 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 wait. Say it one more or, time. Excuse me. Right-handed driver. The, the wrong, driver's on the right side. Driver's on the right side. Right. We see mountains on the left, and then mountains of course, on the left. Ocean on the right. Ocean on so the right. Like so many places where it's right side drive. Uh, South Africa. Very good. You really? nailed it. You got it. I was just thinking of yeah. Cape Horn still. It is. It's wow. The Cape, is it bro. really? Yes. Wow. You nailed it. I've been now, I've been fucking thinking about Cape Horn. For like forever. We're going to talk about some horn in this episode. Yeah, we got the horn um, ski. So again, what you just heard is uh, what I consider to be amazing folk music. Yes. Um, the thing that really struck out to me when song. I first heard this song, which is called Sugar Man, by the way, um, is the line, silver magic ships you carry, jumpers coke, sweet Mary Jane. Now, I'd never heard the term jumper before, but I'm assuming that's like a black beauty, like an upper. I mean, what's Black Beauty? Like Speed. Oh, that's what they called it back in the day. Speed. Give me a Black Beauty. Is it a? Is it a pill? Speed. Yeah, speed, yeah. typically pills. back in the day before yeah. like math. Yeah, I know. People did pills. I remember the episode. Speed. I'm so excited. Remember when Jesse Spano took a up? Or she was taking oh, like no dose. Saved by the bell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm so scared. So anyway, back in the day, um, yeah, they were called uppers or black beauties. My yeah. mom used to tell me this, but I'd never heard the term jumper. So ah, that's gonna be Mary my new. Used to <laughs> party with the cool uh, party. Party with the lewds. Um, by the way, um, do you know what Skittles are? Because as no. long as we're going to take a quick segue on drugs before sure. we get into the podcast. Um, I used to date a drug addict. Okay, Good, great. And I've dated many drug addicts. But My she, exes have dated drug addicts, too. Well, she said she was sober during the time. The drug addict is me. I, I've actually met her in uh-huh. a program because I was trying to get sober at the time. So in the early 2000s. Didn't work, obviously. Yeah, trying to be a pussy. So anyway, um, she would do Skittles. What are those? Well, um, it's DXM. Barbitch- oh. Or DXM? It's never heard. Okay, so back in the day, the Almond Brothers, they used to do what are called, hor- uh, what is it called? Coracidin pills. Mm. And they're for high blood pressure, okay. but also like if you have a, a headache or some shit, okay. you can still buy them at CVS. Okay. But the point is, if you take a whole tray of these, okay, okay you're going to be flying. I feel a little itchy. Yeah, yeah. But if you take a tray, yeah. you're just gone. Oh, and it's boy. like you're tripping. Yeah. And she would come over and I'm like, you're on the DXM again, aren't you? And she was like, yeah, I fell off the wagon. So she would trip on DXM. Uh, but it's back so in the day, weird. they were they called them Skittles. Anyway, huh. but it just made me think of jumpers because I've never heard the term jumper as an upper. And I yeah. really like that. I like it. It's pretty cool. Pass, jump me, pass me a jump. Let me get a little jumperoo, dude. So it's anyway, like bump, jump. Let's get into this. I so need a gump, gump. As we mentioned, you nailed it. We are in Cape Town. And the man driving down the road, his name is Stephen Sugar Seegerman. Now, he's a record shop owner in South Africa. And he says, I actually got my name from the song oh that my we're God. listening to. I just thought of something. What's that? Putting cocaine on a record while it spins and then just doing it <laughs> in the whole circle. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm doing that. Well, Steven says when he was in the Army, they used to you miss... You got to move. They, <laughs> they it used, moves for you. Sorry, go I, I know how it works. He says when he was in the Army, they used to mispronounce his last name, Seegerman, as Sugarman. Huh. And then one day they just started calling me Sugar. And that became my nickname. 
Well, it's 40 years since this LP called Cold Fact by Rodriguez was released. Right. So that's who you were listening to at the top of the show. Rodriguez. Singer-songwriter by the name of Rodriguez. Wow. Well, he says, well, in South Africa, it was a hugely popular album. Yeah. It was one of the yeah. biggest albums of the day. But the thing was, we didn't know who this guy was. All of the rock stars, we had all their information. But this guy, there was nothing. And when we found out he committed... CIA plant. Well... They found out he committed suicide. Oh, yeah. How? Well, we're going to get to that piece of uh, article of ladies clothing. Clothing. He, he set himself oh, a light on stage. Sorry, go on. He set himself a light. Here's the thing. Yeah. The words are a little different because he's South African. A South African. So I'm de- I'm was debating should I do South African uh, accents, so, uh, but South then there's Af- too many South Africans, and I can't do different South African voices. I've just African met a guy voices. in the Discord from South Africa. Okay, let's go. Anyway, he says he set himself a, uh, a light on stage and burnt to death in front of the audience. Whoa! It, yeah. It Whoa! Was, the most <clears throat> incre- was he on DMX or whatever it's called? <laughs> Coraceden pills. Yeah. Uh, it was the most incredible thing. Holy shit! It wasn't just a suicide. It was probably it was the most martyring. grotesque suicide in rock history. Now, as you know, this was the '60s. Whoa. There, were, there were a lot of uh, Buddhists that did this shit during the yeah. Vietnam War. In protest of like something yeah. good. And there were already Buddhists. Yeah. Like they have already ascended to like, well, presumably. I mean, I guess not the ones that make kids suck their tongues <laughs> like the Dalai Lama. Oh, I forgot. Like the about Dalai Lamskis. He had a bad day. It's a bad day. But there is, they, they, <laughs> they, they, children are different <laughs> over there. Children are slaves, basically, over there. But anyway. I could see how, you know, this would have been a popular way to go at the time. So anyway. <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, the Buddhist I mean, made I it did, popular. It was I, the Vietnam War, I, there man. There was like one guy who no, made it no, popular. No, 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 no. There right, were many right. people that lit themselves uh, on fire. That's wild, dude. Yeah. That's in itself seems like some MK Ultra shit. Well, it probably was. I mean, the like, it goes against all your like killing. Oh, man. Yeah, it's got to be a oh, uh, just a they, brutal. They way actually to go. say, I mean, I don't know how they would know who yeah. they are. Yeah, the people that survived it. <laughs> I mean, the, they they say that lighting yourself on fire is a easier way to go than drowning. That's not true. I've they heard say that it goes that like you're well. I know you. We actually debated about this one yeah. time where I well, I heard one thing. I think it was either Doctor Drew or something like that. Yeah. That was like most likely what happens is if you douse yourself with and you 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 catch light yourself on fire like you probably go into shock very quickly and like you won't even feel 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 shit yeah but the thing with drowning is people say that it's a euphoric feeling once the equilibrium water Mm. part uh, the spazzing out Uh (laughs) (laughs) once you're dead uh, and the drugs get released into your head your brain's still going your brain's still going but then you get that injection of whatever that's why all the movies are like that and then you get like saved have you ever seen somebody drown and not drown peacefully in a movie once they actually go under it look i mean it, yeah. it's kind of erotic <laughs> <laughs> i never thought about it like that because you're not really seeing them flail underneath you're just seeing the top and the calmness of it sometimes yeah. well like the shark the guy that got bit by the shark it was crazy it's time for a title card we see right. the, the title of the movie come up it's called searching for sugar man now we hear a very dramatic instrumental music uh begin playing and very very cool 3d puzzle like graphics merge to form a striking 
night shot of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, we hear thunder, we hear lightning and pouring rain. And then it kind of changes into a sepia tone pencil sketch of Detroit in the late 60s. So we're going to go to Detroit, uh, USA, 1968. Now, Dave, Detroit, of course, is famous for a very particular style of music, right? Which is called... Yes. Um, um, Detroit. <laughs> okay, hold on. Detroit rock music. <laughs> What am I? What am I answering here? It's a particular type of Detroit music. It's called Motown. Oh, Motown! I had no idea that came from Detroit. Yep. I would have thought Chicago. Nope. It's Motown. Shy Town. Oh, Shy Town is Chicago. <laughs> it is Fuck. indeed. It is indeed. Why is it called Motown? By the way, I dated and a is, girl. And I, how do you spell it? M O M O W. No, M O T O W N. Motown. Oh, yeah, M-O-T. Okay. Yeah. Okay. By the way, I dated this woman. Like so Homotown? What? Like Homotown? Yeah. Without the H-O. It's I'm just Motown. I know, but does it stand for homo? No. <laughs> because our, also uh, a Mo <laughs> is a is like a, a nickname for Armenian also because you say Armo uh-huh. as short. And okay. The Mo. Armenians had nothing to do with Motown. Just so <laughs> I just wanted to make okay. sure, dude. <laughs> All right. So I remember I used to date a woman who's very stupid. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she still is very stupid, and right? You just said Chi Town, right? Chi Town. Yeah, it's Chi or Shy. She corrected me one day and she said, Well, all the black people say Shy. Well, she corrected me and she said, I think you mean Chi Town. And oh. I go, Excuse me? <laughs> is it in Chicago? No. <laughs> is that where you're from? Are you from Chicago? <laughs> no, her whole point of reference was <laughs> the Greek system, like uh. Sigma Chi. Uh, and she was like, it's pronounced Kai Town. And I was like, you're an idiot. Why did she come to that conclusion? Well, that's how you would how do, that's how, how you, you pronounce it in Greek. But how do you spell Kai? C-H-I, like Sigma Oh, is Kai. it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. But you know, obviously. That, that's an insufferable bitch. Yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> how about that? We made it uh maybe eight months. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Time to meet a man named Dennis Coffey. Well, we learned he was the co-producer. <laughs> Of Rodriguez. Names, dude. They just end up on documentaries somehow. Just name your fucking son Josh Rhino or something like just name Oh, Rhino. That makes I mean, sense. I'm just saying. Like, yeah. It doesn't have to make sense. Like, you just name just, like, your last name is Coffee. You're the one that tells me, he said, that's, that says, are we st- are we going to keep doing two hour podcasts? And you wonder why they're two hours. <laughs> I do okay. interrupt a lot. <laughs> and it's starting to bleed over into my regular life. I'm starting to like interrupt in meetings at work and shit. Yeah. And people are like, dude, can we just Shut get the through this presentation? Up, I know. Yeah. All right. Back to Dennis Coffey. Um, he co-produced Rodriguez's first album, which was entitled Cold Fact. That's where you heard um, Sugar Man from at the top of the show. Well, we learned he's worked with Marvin Gaye, uh, Stevie Wonder, The Temptations, The Supremes, Gladys Knight, Ringo Starr, The Four Tops, Wilson Pickett. You have he has you, recordings with these people? Yeah. Have you ever heard of any of those people? He has recordings with yes. them. Yes. Okay. Have you heard of any of those I people? I know everybody that you mentioned, okay. almost, except for maybe one or two. Which one didn't you know? Uh, read them again. Uh, Marvin Gaye. I know Marvin Gaye. Stevie Wonder. Of course. The Temptations. Know them. The, the females, right? Temptations. <laughs> were they Temptations? Wasn't there a group of female backup singers? Those were the Supremes with Diana Ross. It, you're right. Okay. The Temptations. So were they four men? Yes. Four men. Okay. okay. Gladys Knight. Gladys Knight. I got to brush up on my... Okay. Is Gladys Knight black? Yes. Okay. Ringo Starr? I know Ringo. Is Who the was he? Drummer for the Beatles. Okay. The, the second f- best drummer in the band. <laughs> okay. The Four Tops? 
That one I haven't heard okay, of. Okay, they're like the Temptations. Four black guys as well. <laughs> I wonder um, why they didn't make and it. And then Wilson Pickett. I like the four bottoms. Okay, so he says the first time that I remember actually recognizing him is Mike Theodore called me one uh, day on the phone, and he said, I have this artist I want you to come see with me. This guy's name is Rodriguez. He's working down by the Detroit River, and there's a bar down there, down by the wharf. Let's see him tonight. I think you're going to love him. So that night, we pull up, and it's in this isolated part of Detroit, right on the side of the Detroit River, and you could see the mist in the air coming off the river. We could feel it. We went inside, and we walked in. We could hear behind us the sound of the freighters as they're going down the river, and I felt like I was walking into a Sherlock Holmes novel. And you walk out of the mist and you go into this place and it's full of smoke. So there's more mist inside. Well, we meet the gentleman he's talking about, Mike Theodore. And Mike says, well, first of all, Mike co-produced Rodriguez's album we're talking about, Cold Fact. He said, boom, we're in there. It's a wall of smoke, beer all over the place, peanut shells. It's a mess. And then suddenly you hear the strumming sound. Strumming, strumming and batting the guitar. And you, you ever notice when musicians do that? Yeah, the yeah. like the uh, from my name is Mon. My name is Mon. <laughs> no, that's called a bass wait, wait. instrument. I know it's a bass. Okay, but it's so, still the same shit. No, Hold no, on one second. I w- I've always wanted to do this. Okay, I've always wanted to do this. My name is Mon. Okay, right, so that's Les Claypool. Yes, from Primus. Genius. He is a genius. No, no. What does a lot of singer songwriters will do is. They keep the beat uh, by actually tapping on the guitar in between. Oh, strumming. the fucking yeah! So he's hitting the side yeah, of the guitar. The side with his, of, yeah. Have you ever seen Rodrigo e Gabriela? No. They're this brother and sister guitar duo. Uh huh. That fucking are nuts, and they really? do all that fucking that f- clicking with the hands. Of the oh, tick- I think tick- I have. Yeah, have that one song, Diablo. dude, it's so good. I know who you're talking about. Fucking so good. Well, anyway. He says, I hear this strumming and batting of the guitar, and then I heard this voice, and it was a very strange voice. Well, Dennis says, we walked through the smoke, and I looked there, and in the far corner, I could see the shadow of a man, but I couldn't see his face. And I said, what's the deal? So we got a little closer, and Mike says, well, we get there up close, and he's standing and playing on stage with his back to us. So... All you see is his back, and he's in the corner, and he's singing, and, and it had this ethereal feeling to it. Foggy, foghorn, smoke so thick you couldn't see through it. And then here's this voice. Now, Dave, I don't know if you know this. The greatest band of all time, of course, is who? I, for some reason, want to say you think The Doors. It, you're correct. But I'm going to say you, System of a Down. Okay. He's <laughs> <laughs> so fucking brutal about everything. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Jim Morrison did this when he first started out yeah. because he was shy. Because he's a phony. It was just go. part of the it's act. It's part of the act, bro. Okay. Well, anyway, Dennis says, maybe it forced us to listen to the lyrics because you couldn't see the guy's face. That's when hmm. we talked to him and figured out we needed to do an album with him. What do you mean? Okay, explain that. What do you mean you couldn't see the guy's face? So well, he's got we, his back turned. Okay. And he's a singer-songwriter. Correct. And he's, but how many people are in they the They don't crowd? say. Okay. It's foggy in there. It's misty. <laughs> okay. okay? Right, but they're saying right. by doing that action, it forced them 
to focus on his voice instead of anything else. Yeah. Well, they say, we got to do an album with this guy. And Dennis says, the only writer that I had heard of, of that time period, was maybe Bob Dylan that was writing this well. Bobby Dills, dude. Yeah. Dude. Dad is in the basement mixing up the medicine. I'm on the pavement. Think about the government. <laughs> dude, when I get drunk, I'll look out, that. kid. No matter what you did, God knows when, but you're doing it again. You better duck down the alleyway looking for a new friend. A man in a coonskin cap and a pig band wants $11 bills. You only got 10. The only reason I don't like that is because you stare directly into my <laughs> eyes when you do it. It's like drummer. It's like when drummers get really intense. Yeah. They'll stare into. They're uh-huh. just staring, and sometimes they're staring directly at you, uh-huh. and they don't. They're staring through you. So pump don't work because <laughs> the vandal stole the handle. Okay. So <laughs> when I get fucked up, I'll listen to that Elton Gun, um, Town Hall, uh-huh. nineteen sixty three or maybe sixty four. Might even been like sixty two. Who's Elton Gun? Elton Gunn was the name of Bob Dylan that he would use as like a stage name, like as this fake stage name. Oh, I didn't know that. And Do you know what the, his real name was? No. Zimmerman. Paul Zimmerman. Paul Zimmerman. Zimmerman. And um, he does that one song called Hiding Too Long where he says the N-word. Oh, okay. But it's like a, like it's a fucking very powerful song, dude. Yeah. And uh, never, I think he might have recorded it one time, but he really only played it like a once or twice live ever. Well, I fucking really do not though, disagree dude. with... It's called Hiding Too Long. I don't disagree with Coffee's statement because I've been listening since re-watching this documentary to all of Rodriguez's work. Yeah. Uh, he only has two albums. Right. And the... Elston Gun, sorry. It's just brilliant, some of these lyrics. And we're going to share them with you here right. uh, in just a bit. Great. By the way, do you know what Dylan song I was just doing? That one, um, I don't... I got to hear the... Can you I name gotta, one Dylan song? Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, well, Highway 51, obviously. That's an album. Say, no, Highway 51 right. is a song. Highway Correct. 51. Right, right. Which is but on there's always, there's Highway 51 a, Revisited the, the album. Revisited, yes. And then okay. there's Highway 61 even. two? No, no, but I'm not... Yeah, yeah. And then, um, I mean, there's Boots of Spanish Leather, which oh, is the okay. same... Which is pressed. the same... And then there's... um. Uh, right. Ragtime, already, ragtime hey, something. Hey, ragtime. you already passed the test. <clears throat> there's a... Saved. Okay. Uh, during his Christian phase. So we see another... Um, Pencil sketch. And Oxford Town in the afternoon. <laughs> Someone's gonna get into soon. Oxford Town. That's a good one, too. We see Oxford Town. a pencil sketch of a bar called The Sewer. Okay. By the sea. And it fades into footage of a man with a guitar on his back. And he starts walking down the run-down, empty streets of Detroit. Okay. And we hear another beautifully haunting song called Crucify Your Mind. Was it a huntsman or a player that made you pay the cost? That now assumes relaxed positions and prostitutes your loss. Were you tortured by your own thirst in those pleasures that you seek? That made you Tom the curious, that makes you James the weak. Yeah. 
fucking good I'm i mean you, did I, you I hear the like, dylan-esque uh, vibe there you know you were saying that and i i couldn't help but think it was more of um i forget the guy's name he's uh this guy who's saying um without you the originals harry nielsen oh harry nielsen yeah originally wrote you can't live living with the yeah. you yeah um, By the way, I didn't did know you that. know Harry Nielsen was uh, only... I can't leave. I can't leave. <laughs> did you know he was only a studio musician? Um, I well, I he did. I didn't know anything about him until oh, there's I a there's him. a there's a couple docs on him, which mm-hmm. reminds me, we will he, now cover. Yeah, uh, he had a very very interesting uh, career. Was he like a druggie? Oh yeah. Okay. He he's the one that he looks like with, a dark. He looks like a Buddy, dark dude. He's the one that had the famous last weekend with John Lennon when John and uh, Yoko split up, and they were hanging out at the Troubadour, Troub. drinking, drinking Brandy Alexander's, which of course is what, what, Dave? I don't know. It's brandy and milk. Really? I used to drink. That a, sounds like a British thing. It is. I went through a phase when I would be like, "Give me a brandy, Alexander." Do they drink gin and milk also? I don't know, about that. dude. Because I'm telling you, like that's like I think that's like an English thing to drink milk with your alcohol with certain alcohols. Oh, it definitely is. But we uh, they Maybe ca- they called them milkshakes back in the day when, <laughs> oh, when we would drink them. But I remember I went through a phase drinking them when I found out John Lennon and Harry Nilsson went on uh, a bender and all they drank was Brandy Alexander's. I mean, I imagine it's similar to some kind of like, it's, it's one of those like white Russian kind yeah, of... Yeah, it, it's, it, it's pretty light and refreshing to be honest. <laughs> but anyway, it, but uh, Nielsen's story is amazing. It has uh, to be Brandy or can it be whiskey? No, it's Brandy Alexander. Only Brandy Alexander. I like mean, you special, can have... A special I guess you could have a whiskey Alexander. Okay. But I, I know a Brandy Alexander. I thought, the brandy, I thought Alexander was the brand of the brandy. <laughs> The point is, Nielsen, he was known for not playing live. So he would go in and record these albums. And it's interesting because there are comics that do this, too. Because, (laughs) no, I'm serious. Yeah, they're mostly broke. No, but I mean, there's a lot of uh, well-documented comics that don't uh, have that same process of performing a lot and then recording. They just go record albums and then not tour. It does happen every now and then. So anyway, let's get back to the Seinfeld show. Seinfeld sounds like a guy that would do that. Probably. No, Seinfeld, no Seinfeld he, like, tours. He, tours. He, he tours. He gets out there. He gets those fucking Shabbats. Well, he's probably trying to scope out 17-year-olds <laughs> in the front row. <laughs> Big fucking titted 16-year-olds, dude. So, uh, time yeah, to where's me- his Me Too? He's too rich for Me Too. He, buddy, he was before Me Too. It didn't exist back then. Back in the 90s, you could just go 17-year-old and people were cool with yeah. it. Plus, New York's pretty... Yeah, it's whatever. pretty low agent. Um, anyway, let's meet a man by the name of Dan DiMaggio. Now, he's a bartender at the brewery, and he describes Rodriguez as a wandering spirit that just kind of floated around the city, um, and sometimes I might catch him on the corner, and Detroit's got its share of burned-out, desolate areas, and I would occasionally see him far away from the brewery, and I wondered... And it just added to this mythology of him. Like, what is he doing? You know, what does he do? I heard he did roofing, uh, or as they call it, roofing, uh, some construction work. 
Oh, that kind of roofing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They meant roofing. No, no. Roofing. And he goes, I think that's how he got his money at the time. He was just, you know, I and I say this with love and respect. I just thought he was, I didn't think he was much more than a homeless person. You know, <laughs> he was just some drifter. He just had one fucking name. Yeah. It's kind of hard to like. <laughs> well, he, he didn't even know if he had a home. He thought yeah. he went from like shelter to shelter. Well, Dennis uh, comes back and he says, you got to remember in the 70s, Detroit was a really hard place. And he's like, it still is a hard place. Yeah, I don't know when it, it was like, it feels like only like five years where Detroit was good. It was, well, you know, when it was good was in the, after the war. Because oh, you okay. had, you know. Oh, so the, from the like Rust, the 50s to the sure, 60s. You had the Rust Belt in the suburbs. You had yeah. high paying jobs in manufacturing, um, you know, but now our city. Now it's lots of decay, lots yeah. of ruined houses. Tim Allen. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, real poverty exists. Yeah. And those are the streets. No more Wilsons. That Rodriguez considered his natural habitat. Yeah. Uh, he says anytime we met him to talk about what we were doing, he would always meet us on a corner somewhere. Most of the time, he, he wasn't coming over to someone's house. He'd say, meet me on the corner. Meet me on that street. And he'd just appear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's what they say. They just came down one street or the other. They said we thought he was an inner city poet, um, putting his poems to music of what he saw, and it was definitely a gritty look at what he saw on the streets of Detroit, what he saw in the neighborhood, who was walking around the streets, and the way he presented in, in song, I thought was also very interesting. Well, Mike Theodore, the co-producer of his first album, Cold Fact, he says... We were working at Tara Sherma Recording Studio when he opened up and sang, you went, whoa, this guy's got it. Rodriguez, at that time, had all the machinery in place. Big names, big money behind it. The circumstances were right. So why didn't he make it? That's the big question today that still haunts me. Did he get enough promotion? Did he perform enough? Was he too political? Uh, you know, was there this or was there that? Should it have been, uh, you know, going on stage in a green shirt instead of an orange shirt? Should it have been a violin instead of an oboe in the background? You can go on. But the end of the day is if you listen to the stuff now, you'd say, I don't understand it. He's right on. Well, we meet a, a bricklayer um, by the name of Jerome Ferretti. This is a guy that worked with Rodriguez doing manual labor. He said, I only heard him play once in one of the songs that he had on his album. It was called The Sugar Man. Was it Sugar Man? Is that the name of the song? Um, I knew that guy, The Sugar Man. And his name was Volkswagen Char. Volkswagen Frank. That was his name. Okay. And he lived right around the corner. He's not a Rodriguez at all. No, he's talking about The Sugar Man that Rodriguez oh, sang. I was talking about, oh, yeah, you go and get a little sugar. Yeah, if you know what I mean. That's what it says. Sug. Yeah, well, probably smack. Oh, I'm guessing. What exactly is smack? Heroin. Okay, okay. You didn't know that smack is heroin. Dude, I just, I, I feel like I knew smack was heroin, but then dope, and then this, and okay. then everything. So here's they've all changed. Dope. I used to think to smack. My, I don't know. To my knowledge, dope was originally. And there's yayo and that's yeah, coke. I know that, but then they call yayo one thing and yay another right. thing. Hold on, let me break know. this all down for you. Okay, Back thanks. in the day, yeah, people referred to um, uh, heroin users as dope. Okay. Okay. 
to my now, knowledge, yeah. then it took on a transformation weed. with weed. Yes. Okay. Coke reefer. Coke's always been the reefer. Marijuana cigarettes, as you know. Coke's, nugs, always, no, Coke's always been what? Pot. Yeah, pot's been always been. Pot's always been reefer. Yeah, Marijuana nugs. cigarettes was big in the 50s. The nugs. And of course, um, heroin yep. is smack. Smack. Yeah, yeah. Or dope. So, so okay. but the only two that cross over with dope is heroin okay. and pot. Got it. Coke is always Coke. Yayo. Yayo. Yay. Know. Well, I guess one is. And then, uh, of course, you have the horse. Horse is heroin also. Correct. One of the craziest things I ever did, one of the weirdest experiences, I, I was doing a bunch of coke with my friends. Mm-hmm. And we were in my apartment in New York, and I passed uh, some coke to a guy. And I go, hey, you want some wine? And he goes, no, 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 I never, I never touch it without the horse. And I didn't, at the time, I didn't know what the, horse, yeah. what the horse was. Yeah. Well, this guy de- died 20 years ago yeah. because yeah. he had to have the coke and the yeah. horse at the same time. Yeah, it's called a real speedball. Yeah, that's, that's a real speedball. Okay. Anyway. Not the bullshit promethazine and cocaine that I take. Correct. Now, let's let's keep going. The, uh, the, the song that started the show was Sugar Man, as you know. That's when he's talking about the jumpers, Coke, and Mary Jane. Yep. We're going to hear the second verse from that. Cool. Um, and head out to a little place called Palm Springs. Wow. Sugar Man. The fuck was that? That's a guy talking over oh, it. But okay, the whole point good. is, you understand. Uh, yeah, that's a good song, man. Uh, this is when we meet Steve Rowland. That's the guy who was talking. Now, Steve Rowland, everybody knows Steve. No. They don't? Steve Rowland, who's that? Well, he produced Rodriguez's second album, <laughs> Coming from Reality, in okay. 1971. Okay. He worked with Jerry, Jerry Lee Lewis. Oh. You know who that is. I feel like I've <clears throat> heard the name a bunch. Was he a musician? <laughs> Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> Pretty famous for two things. Yeah. Fucking his cousin. Oh, boy. And uh, Great Balls of Fire. Ah. Uh, <laughs> were his balls on fire because of fucking his cousin? No, it had nothing to do with that. Oh. Uh, the Cure. You've heard of The Cure. Of course. Uh, Peter I used Frank. To, I, when I was younger, I used to call him Le Cure because I didn't know it was The Cure. Oh, uh, okay. So Le we Cure. That's pretty good. Uh, Peter Frampton, of course. Framskies. Frampton Comes Alive. Not a big I, Frampton fan. Frampton Comes Alive, I think, is the uh, the number one live-selling album of all time, if I recall. It sounds random as fuck, and I don't believe that to be true. Uh, I feel like I you want to make a bet? No, but I bet you it's something like Live Aid or some bullshit. No, it's Frampton Comes Alive. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Gloria Gaynor? I know Gloria Gaynor, okay. sure. Uh, Fucking Gloria Gaynor. Boney M? I don't know who no, Boney M is. Uh, the Pretty Things? Nope. Don't know them either. I know what? the pretty dirty things. I do too. Um, really? So, yeah. Fucking. I know um, a lot of things. The Libertines singer. Of course. The singer from the Libertines. Of course. What's that guy's name? Barrett something. Right, I, don't, I don't remember. Let's something. talk to Steve. You We're in Palm Springs. I do too know who you're talking. That's about. why I asked about Gin and Buy Milk. The li- Libertines are the Libertines. Yeah, but not dirty pretty things. I know dirty pretty it's things. A good, it's a good I'm man. talking it's about good the man. movie. No, no, no. The okay. band. Go watch the movie. Sounds gay. All right. Well. Steve's going to show us some pictures, and he's got all these old vintage photos um, from Rodriguez in England, and this is when we first see this man, really. Uh, he's Hispanic, mm-hmm. um, always wears black sunglasses, <clears throat> and um, 
he basically like showing these pictures like, oh, look at me. I'm hanging out with Jim, James Dean in this picture. It's really cool. Um, he's like, uh, oh, yeah, there he is. And um, we see these amazing pictures. And this is the mysterious Rodriguez. And he says, you know, I haven't seen these pictures in almost 35 years. He's my most memorable artist. You know, I produced a lot of great ones, but he's my most memorable. It's not just a talent. He's like, he's like a wise man, a prophet. He's way beyond just being a musical artist. And he probably could have done fantastically well if he had have continued. When I met him, they used to say, uh, Rodriguez, this is uh, Steve Rowland. He really likes your album. And Rodriguez said to me, well, did you like Cold Fact? And I said, man, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I can't believe that this album didn't do anything. It's just a fantastic album. Now, he's right. I re-listened to Cold Fact yesterday, as a matter of fact, and it's a gem. It's 32 minutes. It's probably got 10 songs on it. They're all brilliant. And I would describe it as folk rock uh, with a touch of blues, but it's very stark. It's not overproduced. So therefore, you really get to focus on the lyrics and the vo vocal quality of this band. So I, the first thing you want to do is go to your Spotify or whatever you listen to and just take a listen to Cold Fact. You know how those bands that are so perfect... And then you're like, wow, that album was only 30 minutes long. Fucking Spice World. <laughs> Spice Girls, dude. <laughs> Hell yeah. Couldn't, couldn't get enough of that shit. Let's the, go. The Pixies are like that. Oh, the Pixies. They right. no, I don't think they ever recorded they a played, song. They I know. just fucking played in the, the Palladium or something. Yeah, guess who couldn't go because they were working on this script. <laughs> fucking pussy. But I don't think they ever recorded a song over three minutes. The Pixies? Yeah. Huh. That's why I love it. Sounds like that. It's like, boom, you're in and out. Just like, huh? just move it down. <laughs> What's that one song they sing? Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Yeah. Do you know it was produced by Rick Rubin? Well, Rick had some fucking misses. <laughs> okay. The Beastie I mean, Boys weren't one of them. Multi-platinum. Well, anyway, um, Steve continues. He said, so he played me his next album. Um, and in those days, it was a cassette. So he handed me a cassette and he had demos. And the album was called Coming From Reality. And I said, wow, man, this has got to be a smash. It does have my favorite Rodriguez song on it. It's called Cause, and we'll hear it later. He says, these songs are amazing, and they're different from the others. Um, but they're great songs. And he says, a couple of them were so sad. You know, there's one in there that's an absolute killer. You see the pain on this man's face as he's talking about how this music has affected him. It's the saddest song, and he's, and he's laughing because he's almost like trying to comfort himself by laughing. And he says, but it's the saddest song I've ever heard. And it's a very simple song. Hang on, I want to play this. So if you don't mind, I am going to cue up um, this song. Cause I lost my job Two weeks before Christmas Oh man And I talked to Jesus at the sewer 
And the Pope said it was none of his goddamn business. While the rain drank champagne, my Estonian archangel came and got me wasted. Cause the sweetest kiss I ever got is the one I've never tasted. I got it. That had a lot more Dylan, <clears throat> a lot yeah. more Dylan in it. Did you give you chills? Yeah, I get a little chilly. With I, that. I like that. Yeah, it's, I get chills whenever I hear that song. That's a good, nice little, <coughs> nice little ditty. Well, the interesting thing is, but we it, see, like the melodies and everything, it just seems to fit. But I, it seems familiar, but not. And I don't know. Like, here's what's interesting. I don't know, How do we not know the story of this amazing artist? That lit himself on fire on stage and committed suicide. That's fucking crazy. How did how did this go? That's you know, fucking crazy for so long without people knowing about it. So I mean, it's a, it's like that band Strawberry Something. Strawberry Something. It's strawberry like, Alarm Clock. Strawberry Incense and Peppermint. That dude, song. That fucking just that that band Strawberry Alarm Clock. Like I was blown away the first time I ever heard that. It was like maybe five years ago. Yeah. And that shit is. Awesome, yeah, that awesome. Was, they were they were a huge one hit wonder, to my knowledge. I mean, they have, but they have so many like really good songs. Besides incense and peppermints, I've never heard of another know. song. Maybe I'm not thinking. Is you talking, talking about the, like the psychedelic seventies yeah. rock it's band? Fucking strawberry alarm clock. Yeah, strawberry. Alarm All right, clock. maybe I'm wrong. Well, Steve says. I mean, I guess they probably only had one hit of the day, but I think they have. I mean, personally, they have like some really good music. But yeah. Well, Steve says it really makes me sad. Because that was the last song that we recorded. And that was the last song that Rodriguez ever recorded. And what makes it even sadder was the album was released in November of 71. And we expected big things. And it did absolutely nothing. And then, two weeks before Christmas, Sussex dropped him from the label. Huh. Just as he wrote in the song. And the very Sussex dropped me from the label. <laughs> no, it's the line is <coughs> I lost my job two weeks before oh, Christmas. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, Man, I just think about that. And this guy deserves recognition. Nobody in America had ever heard of him. Nobody. So he was just big in South Africa? We're getting there. Yeah. Nobody was interested in listening to him. How can that be? How can that be? Guy that writes like this. How can that be? How can that be? Guy that writes like this. I mean. Cause they told me everybody's gotta pay their dues. And I explained that I had overpaid them. Cause the smell of her perfume Echoes in my head still Pretty powerful Pretty good, stuff. Man. <clears throat> Great stuff. Um, yeah, so... That, that did sound more Dylan-y, Dylan-esque. Well, and there's a thing that... I don't know if I already mentioned this. We see the album cover from... Even the style, sort of, of it. We see the album cover coming from reality. It's his front porch in his house in Detroit. And it's not a pretty place. Obviously. 
No, I know, but it's just like this is as real as shit gets. Yeah, he's like struggling this is who musician. I'm. Yeah, it's just it's just amazing to me. Yeah. Well, it's time to go to Cape Town, South Africa. We see a storefront for Mabu vinyl and footage of customers sifting through vinyl records in crates. As we hear Rodriguez's "I Wonder." Well, remember old Stephen Sugar Seegerman from the top of the show driving around the coast on yeah. the wrong side of the road? Yeah. On the wrong the side of the car? Around the horn. Well, this is his record store. Sweet. And he says it's still a bit of a mystery how that first copy of Cold Fact actually got to South Africa. Hmm. But one of the stories I heard is that there was an American girl. and she, Now, what year is this happening? This is uh, late 60s, because I want to say Cold Fact was 69 or 70 that it okay. got released. Okay. Maybe 68? Uh, I think it was 68. Well, just say it was 68. Okay. Go with that. That's fine. But his theory is there was an American woman that was in South Africa <laughs> <laughs> to visit her boyfriend. No. And she brought a copy of the record. Yeah. And her and him and their friends, they really liked it. And they went out to try and buy it, but they couldn't find it anywhere. So they started taping copies of it and passing it around. Wow. And however it got here, it got here and then it germinated here. And then it spread very, very quickly. Mm. Now, we have to be aware of the, the culture of the time. Of course, this is South uh, Africa. South Africa. South Africa. Uh, diplomatic community. <laughs> you know that's from, right? Nah, no, Lethal no. Weapon 2. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's all of, I ever thought of when yeah, I yeah, in yeah. South Africa. Yeah. So we have apartheid at the time. Right. Well, there was also censorship. Didn't Moses make the apartheid also? Oh, he made the tide part. Fuck. <laughs> that's not a bad joke. Well, there was censorship at, at the time. So we meet um, a man by the name of William Moeller, and he's a musician and a guitarist in South Africa, and he's got a band called Big Sky. And he says, I remember in high school and I heard this song, I wonder how many times you've had sex. And at the time, South Africa was very conservative. It was the height of apartheid, and there was no television. That's how, every, how conservative things were, because television was communist. <laughs> Hell yeah! Imagine Based that. As fuck. No, no TV Propaganda. in the sixties. Uh, but everything. Well, I mean, I mean, how much TV was there really even going on in the sixties? Really? Well, no, but I mean, no access to it for information. You're in Africa. It's, it's South Africa. You're, it's in not, so, you're in South Africa, <laughs> right? But you got to understand, South Africa. I know. You were talking white about people. Yeah, okay. Well, actually not. It's like ten <laughs> percent white people. Is it only? Yeah. Oh, that's rough. I think it's the rough look. I think it's twenty percent <laughs> top. Anyway, William basically says everything's censored, man. Yeah. And here's this guy singing this song. Who's 1984 that? Nineteen eighty four had already been written. George Orwell. Yes. Yeah. And someone said that's Rodriguez. Well, Rodriguez instantly became a rebel, a sort of an icon. But the strange thing was that we all bought his records. Everybody I, I knew had his records. I wonder, that was the big song. And that everybody was singing, and we all bought a record. And there he was on the cover, a sort of hippie with shades, but 
Nobody knew anything about him. He was a mystery. Wow. Unlike other cool. artists, you know, cool. you could read about other artists. Yeah. Especially from America. But we couldn't find anything about him. There was zilch. So but so at the time, so yeah. this album is released and like it's already like a couple years into the album is already popular in South Africa is what you're kind of saying over here. You know what? Um, we should. Just, I'm just trying to understand. The I just timeline. I just double check. Cold Fact was introduced in 70. So okay. this is right when it came out. Okay. So, you know, kids are kids. It's like cool. in the States you have Tiger Beat or whatever. And of course, you know, if you live in an apartheid state and it's under state control, they're going to limit anything you can get. Right. So they're all getting, he's not making any money off this anyway because it's all bootleg anyway. Well, we're going to get to that. <laughs> Trust we're, me, we're going to get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I uh, just want to play you a, a, a quick clip yeah. of uh, a song, Jane S. Pity. Well, record store owner Stephen Sugar Siegerman, he says the album was exceptionally popular. To many of us South Africans, he was the soundtrack of our lives. In the mid-70s, if you walked into random white liberal middle-class household, you know, that had a turntable and a pile of pop records, if you flipped to the records, you'd always see Abbey Road uh, by the Beatles. My favorite uh, Beatles album, by the way. I don't know what's yours. What's yours? <clears throat> Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> All right, you got one. Yeah, probably uh, Sergeant Pepper. I mean, I don't like any of them. Could, yeah, could you honest. name one Beatles song on Sergeant oh, Pepper? Um, Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart. Finish it. The Lonely Hearts Club. Keep finishing. I don't know the rest. That's it. That's how I can go. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing Club Club of Hearts. Band. Club Band. Club Band. There we go. Now, do you prefer the intro or the reprise, the outro? Don't know any of that. <laughs> don't know what any of that means. I don't care about the Beatles. Okay. I like their music when I hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just not interesting. Well, not you should give... I'm just not interested in music all that much. Oh, I like, know. You like video games and Discord. No, no, but like <laughs> I, I'm a, I know a good amount of classical music. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that and okay. listen to that very often. Rock right. on and off. Yeah. Some even your Verde. some Paganini. Yeah, I mean, your Mozart. Some, dude, Paganini's Capricci Twenty Four uh -huh. is amazing. Yeah, it's, your Botticello, your Donatello. No, no, no. Those are <laughs> artists, probably or Ninja Turtles. Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Little Da Vinci. Little Da Vinci. All right. Well, anyways, like if you you went over to somebody's house, you're gonna see the Beatles. You always see Bridge Over Troubled Water by who, Dave? That's one's Bridge Over. Yeah, it's um that's Le uh, that's Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Damn, who, Bridge Over Troubled Water. <laughs> Fuck. Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, I don't know. I think you were thinking Wait. of when the levee breaks. That's no, I was Zeppelin. thinking of Smoke Over Water. Okay, which is by who? Hendrix. No, no, that would no. be uh, Fog Hat. Smoke Over Water. Fog hat? I don't remember. Smoke on the water? Smoke on the water. It's either deep purple or fog hat. Deep purple. Okay. Deep purple. <laughs> all right. But I don't fucking know. Guy dude. says, I'm so next, bad at those. next to those albums, we, and he's talking about giants here. You know, uh, like you, the Nephilim? 
he's saying you're going to see Rodriguez's cold fact sitting oh, right next to right. Abbey Road and Bridge Over right, Troubled right, Water. Right, right, right. It was uh, ba- heavy hitters. To them, it was the yeah. It was one of the most famous records of it's all from time. A, it's from America. Those the message America. it had was be anti-establishment. Yeah, like Russell Brand. <laughs> By the way, do you know what the longest word in the English language is? I think it's de-establishmentarialism. Oh, yeah, de-establishmentarialism. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I've heard yes. that, actually. So, well, he's got a song on the record called Anti-Establishment Blues. And the message, you know, was... He's, here's what uh, Steve Sugar Seagerman saying. He said, we didn't even know what the term anti-establishment meant. Right. Okay. It came Ooh, up through Rodriguez's get, song. Is this starting to get good? Does that mean Rodriguez was like the Che Guevara of fucking... Yeah. Wow. Well, we found out... So it's, he raped and pillaged people? It's okay to protest against your society and to be angry with your society. Well, right. just to give you some context, we see uh, an image from the, I'm guessing, 60s, and it's a taxi cab that says whites only on it. Sick. So, so Yeah. It's Based. Disgusting. I'm just well, joking. It's... Di- yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. That's sick. That's <laughs> yes. sickening. Right. Well, time to meet music journalist Craig Bartholomew. He's going to be a huge part of this story. Oh, they're probably slightly cleaner. He's what? I'm lost. I'm telling a story. No, I'm just talking. Okay. He says, because we lived in a society where every means was used to prevent apartheid from you know, coming to an end, this album somehow had in it lyrics that almost set us free. Mm. As oppressed peoples. Aww. Any revolution needs an anthem. Like, imagine listening to that if you're a government official and being like, we have to put a stop to this crazy fucking music right, right the now. The problem is, we didn't let it, we didn't <laughs> import it because we, you, yeah. everything's controlled. Yeah, yeah. So, how did it get out yeah, there? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then that guy's gonna get killed because well, the record store owner. Craig says every. Crystal, crystal Nacht. Nacht. I see what you did there. Christ, Do you want to explain Christ, it for the Nacht. listeners? That's like that's when um, the Germans went yeah, around and correct fucking up all the Jewish. Is uh, that the night of like a thousand knives? Yeah, I don't know, yeah. but I know that they went around. They, that night was like, so what does it mean? It means breaking glass or something yes. like that. We just went around and fucking up yes. Jewish businesses. Correct. Uh, well, anyway, Craig says any revolution needs an anthem, and in South Africa, Cold Fact was the album that gave people permission to free their minds and to start thinking differently. So I'm going to share a couple verses from a song Rodriguez wrote called, this is not a song. It's an outburst or the establishment blues. The mayor hides a crime rate. Councilwoman hesitates. Public gets irate, but forgets to vote date. The system's going to fall soon to an angry young tune. And that's a concrete cold fact. Now that sounded like Dylan. You you took the words right out of I my mean, mouth. I mean, even Dylan had the, like, he would do the rambling where he's like, mm-hmm. doesn't sound like he's exactly on pace. Look at that kid. No matter what you did. did. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. That but that screams Dylan to dude. me. Yeah. Well, Stephen says, it may seem strange that South African record companies didn't do more to try and track Rodriguez down. But actually... If you look back at the time, we're in the middle of apartheid, the height of apartheid, and South Africa was under sanctions from countries all over the world. South African musicians were not allowed to play overseas. And, of course, you couldn't come in if you were a foreign act. 
you know, you weren't allowed to come in if you were the Rolling Stones or the oh, Beatles. Oh, wow, wow. They were closed off from society. Yeah. So, um, of course, at this time, we see atrocious images of apartheid um, in, you know, while Stephen's describing this. And he says the countries were ar- uh, around the world were saying horrible things about the apartheid government, but we didn't know because they controlled the news. The majority of the population had been marginalized and forced out of uh, the commerce in areas. Yeah. It was what had happened. Going through it again right now. In Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a spinoff from Nazi Germany. Uh, but if a newspaper published it, they'd get prosecuted. So because of that, South, uh, South Africa had achieved a pariah status in the world. There were boycotts. There were uh, cultural boycotts, sporting boycotts. It was a very isolated society. So we're completely cut off. We all knew apartheid was wrong. But living in South Africa, there wasn't much as a white person you could do about it because the government was very strict. It was a military state to a large degree. If you spoke out against apartheid, you could be thrown into prison for three years. So although a lot of whites were part of the struggle, the majority of whites were not. Mm. You were watched. There were spies. It was scary and people were scared. But out of the Africans community emerged a group of Africans, musicians, songwriters. And for them, when they heard Rodriguez, it was like a voice spoke to them and said, guys, there's a way out. There is a way out. You can write music. You can write imagery. You can sing. You can perform. And that was what really the the first opposition to apartheid came from inside the Afrikaans community. It was these young Afrikaans. I know what you're thinking, by the way. Guys. African. <laughs> no, <laughs> Afghanistan. That's, that's how he also says yeah, Af- yeah, Afri- yeah. African. Well, we'll get into Afrikaans in a moment. But he'd say, um, these Africans to a man, they'd tell you they were influenced by Rodriguez. You had Kus Kumbas, William Muller, the late Johannes Kirkholm. The guys, <laughs> you want to try that one more time? Kerkoral. Yeah. The guys who were regarded as the icons of the Afrikaans music revolution will all tell you Rodriguez was our guy. Wow. Now, Dave, do you yeah. know what an uh, Afrikaner is? Mm, um, is it a, a person of Afrikan? Yes. Uh, here's the thing. S- one that Afrikaans? <laughs> Why don't you give me a little <laughs> Simpsons music? Because I do think it's important that we do know a little bit about uh, the country that we've been talking so much about. South Africa. South Africa. (laughs) Diplomatic community. (laughs) And then Murtaugh pulls the 38 or the 44 and just blows him away. Yeah. And then, I don't remember uh, two all that that, well. uh, Two's better than one. Is two the one where he's running in in the desert? No, that's one. That's one? Okay. Yeah. Which one is two? Okay, whatever. Two is the one where he falls in love with Patty Kensit, who's from South Africa. Uh-huh. And the South African... I don't even drug, remember three all that much three's either. Three's not good. The South I remember Af- four. Four was with Chris four Rock. Sucks. Four was with Chris Rock <laughs> and Joe sucks. Pesci. It's fucking awesome. Pesci's in two. Uh, Pesci made his okay, debut in okay, two. Okay, yeah, whatever. Gets. Whatever. The whole point is, he falls in love with Patsy Yum Kensit, because she's part of the South African drug smothering op- operation, but Yum she doesn't baby. know it. Okay. And then the bad guy, who's a diplomatic community, 
he hides behind the badge right. of being a diplomat from South Africa, and then he gets murdered in the end after they murder Patsy Kensett. And, of course, you know, uh, Riggs loses his mind. And right. he's like, I'm not a cop tonight, Roger. Right. <laughs> That's when it gets good. Anyway. So two's uh, the best one. One's, the one and two are right next to each other okay. for me. It's very rare that a sequel lives up to the original, but they're so tight. Oh, man. Uh, not true. Not, not when to, nature causes. <laughs> Come on, bro. Over Pat Detective? Come on. Well, here's the thing. I never heard of the term Afrikan. Right. Uh, it's spelled with two A's. Right. Well, just so you're aware, um, they are a South African ethnic group which descended from the predominantly Dutch settlers that arrived at the Cape of Good Hope in 1652. Well, as you know, until 1994... Which one's the Cape of Good Hope? That's South Africa. Oh. You're which thinking of the Cape horn, horn, bro. Which one's horn? South America. That's oh, the most dangerous. Oh, see, I had it around. Oh, no, no, no. We, we were right. Oh, the horn. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. Horn the is horn. much further south. Yeah. Cape of Good Hope is the good one. Okay. Yes. Cape Horn is the hard one down here. Right. Got so, it. anyway. That's because it's going through near Alaska. Right. And Alaska? You what? got this all backwards, buddy. No, no, no. Alaska's on the north, north towards the North Pole. That's Alaska, Antarctica. Yeah. Going okay, towards those, doing towards those that flat Earth. All right. Well, just to to just so you all remember, I'm sure you know, apartheid ended in the early '90s. When so they Mande- say. Well, yeah, when Mandela got freed from you sure. know, prison, but uh, Afrikaners they make up 5.2 percent. I thought I, I thought Mandela died. Nah, I'm just joking. We're not going to that right now. Of the of the total South African right. population. Now that's based on 2011 uh, census numbers. Well, Afrikaans is South Africa's third most widely spoken home language. And it evolved as the mother tongue of Afrikaners and most Cape Calords. Oh. Now, I had never heard of a Cape Calord before. It's, Cape Calord? It's spelled Colords with the O-U, kind of oh. like the French. Colored. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So they the were... French or is that British? It's probably British. But they were enslaved people and other indigenous people. Yeah. Because they got like... They went to the Gask, which was right next door. The Madagascar? Yes. Just fucking snatch, snatching motherfuckers yeah. from the Gask, huh? They slaved wow. people up from there. So you have to understand, South Africa... You is have a, to understand. ...is a melting pot. Yeah. There are 11 recognized languages... Wow. ...in South Africa. Yeah. So... Do you know who discovered or who first got there? Ever? No, of the like the sailors of the golden age. <laughs> nah. That was Vasco da Gama. I'm not really well versed on my sailors. Well, the da Gama shows up in 1848. <laughs> the da Gams did. Well, and he was Portuguese. Uh-huh. You know that. The Guige. So he shows up in 1848. But basically, they started going inland, the raping and pillaging. Oh, come on. No, they what did. What are they raping and pillaging? Zebras? No, the population, bro. The fucking tribals? Okay. The long titty bitches? <laughs> the long neck, long titty bitches getting they, raped? Yes, from that National God Geographic damn. magazine. So you got to remember. Baninge, 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 so pensa, baninge. Okay. You ever heard of the Dutch East okay. India Company? Of course. Okay, well, they are one of my favorite clothing brands. They arrived like 150 years later. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because they're all about the spice trade. Right. Okay. So they go in and they settle there. 
And then you got the French Huguenots. They show up later towards the end of the 17th century. What are you laughing at? Huguenots. Okay. <laughs> it's a good and cool name. Okay. And then you got to remember the British, they started their own company too, the British East India Company. Yeah. So then they go over. Oh, British East India and the company. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, Dutch, both. I mean, yeah. Yeah, but they go in there and wreck They're just, shop. These are just like, those, those companies are basically, they just like built the roads to like, like they, 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 not the roads. I mean, they kind of did, but they're the ones who just brought the shit over from India. Like the company. You got to like, remember, the Cape export. of Good Hope was like a trading post. It was a stopover. Right. It's a huge asset. Right. Okay. Got it. But you got to remember, you know, you had the Flemish, the Huguenots, the Germans, the Danish, the Norwegians. You had Swedish the people. The route, the routes, not the. I kept saying roads. I meant routes. Like yeah. they're they're the ones who just like had the trade routes down. And then you have the Boers. You ever hear the Boer War? There were a couple <laughs> of Boer Wars. <laughs> I don't know. I saw these two Boers fighting outside of a bar <laughs> one night. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so you know, basically, you had a lot of white, basically people going in and fucking up yeah. this natural. Sure. You know. Uh, whatever yeah group of people sure fucking up all their shit for years and then of course um then i can't the national party i know that got formed in like 1914 that's when uh apartheid basically yeah you know starts to shift okay (laughs) and that's when south africa they're like no more uk you know and that's when we had and then we had rodney king well no no that's that's much (laughs) later but then of course you know you've got apartheid that basically lasted until when, whenever Mandela in the got 90s. in the 90s. Early 90s. And then even, I mean, it's still, or even right now, they're going through some reverse apartheid bullshit. Well, just remember, apartheid totally closed off, Yeah, you know, from modern, you know, the world from, from that whole time period. But it's a right. melting pot of people. Yeah. And it's, you know, 80% are like natives. They're like the Zulu. You ever hear of Shaka Zulu? Yeah, it doesn't sound very melting potish if 80% <laughs> of them are black. Well, that's because they were under control of a brutal regime. Right. But, you know, it starts that's out right. off as a trading post, but then they're like, oh, we have natural minerals. We have uh, diamond mines. Yeah. Uh, let's make some really money, create the largest diamond conglomerate. Yes. Ah, the good old the beers. Which we are going to cover on an upcoming episode. Little teaser. Can't wait. So anyway, let's get back to Willem Muller. He's the musician, um, the Afrikaner, um, a big sky. And he says, we call it a four... Oh, can you take me out of the Simpsons? Sure. Sorry. He says, we call it a four-frame movement of Africans artists singing against apartheid. All of us listen to Rodriguez at some point. All of us. It had an enormous impact. It made you just think that there's another way. What pr- what's presented to you by the establishment isn't all theirs. Well, we see uh, headlines at this point that read "alternative Afrikaners," uh, and words become weapons to fight apartheid. And you know you're in the midst of this revolution that's kind of the fires are being stoked. Well, Rodriguez's biggest hit was a song called "Set It Off." Um, uh, excuse me, that wasn't Rodriguez's biggest hit. I screwed that up. Okay. I was going to uh, say, I like the movie Set It Off with Queen Latifah. It's pretty <laughs> fucking sick. I like how they all go out with the fucking... At the end, where they all get shot up in the in the fucking car that does the... the they got the hydraulics on it. She hits the hydraulics, and she's fucking smoking the cigarette, and they just get blasted. Dude, I have never seen a Queen Latifah movie in my life. 
Okay, dude. I mean, set put it that up. on my my headstone, bro. Never heard a Latif. I mean, it's what am I missing? It's a good '90s movie. It's just a gangster movie, but like girls, okay. like a female gangster movie. It's yeah. not bad. It's not bad. Uh, okay. I mean, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, so it's probably terrible. But I, I, I totally remember that. Set it off. All right. Okay, I screwed up. Yeah. Set it off was Rodriguez. Okay, cool. Okay. So anyway, I'm uh, glad we got my Queen Latifah fucking Simpsons episode in. <laughs> well, this is when P.W. Botham was president, and he's a real bad guy. And when he came on TV, he used to like talk like, you know, that. And this song said, switch it off. Just switch off the TV. So we are now going to go to the archive of censored material in Johannesburg, South Africa. Whoa. Yeah. So for more context, context on context. this. I forgot my South African uh, mixed up. Context. It's a vault. Yeah. That held all of the censored material. Like an actual vault? Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. pressurized. Well, yeah. It's, I mean, I'm just joking. No, it's not, not like that high tech. It's not like um, the Vatican. Yeah. All right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but they have all this material that's been archived and censored by the South African government. And the interviewer um, in the film says to the woman that works there, she says, so what lines do you think were the lines that they had a problem with? Well, we meet a woman named Elise Osman. And she's a former apartheid activist. And she says, oh, gee whiz, it's all of them. Sugar man, won't you hurry? Because I'm tired of these scenes for a blue coin. Won't you bring back all those colors to my dreams? The most difficult one is probably silver, silver magic ships. You carry jumpers, Coke, and Mary Jane. Back to the jumpers, bro. Yeah. They didn't want people talking this kind of trash. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he says, well, what is that? And he goes, uh, she's like, I'm going to leave that up to you. And he's like, well, is it drugs? <laughs> and she says, it's certainly drugs. It's and certainly drugs. During the apartheid years, it was just impossible to play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she, he's like, well, what happened if you played it? She's like, well, you couldn't. I'd like to show you why. <laughs> right here we have... <laughs> Firing squad. <laughs> <laughs> right here we have the album, the vinyl. And the back of the sleeve, if you'll notice, it says there's a sticker that says avoid. But when you open the album and take it out from the sleeve, you see, would notice there, and she holds the record kind of at an angle. Okay. And you can see that that particular song is scratched out. No. Wow. So, yeah. And they used a tool so that disc jockeys couldn't play it. Wow. Well, we also meet Steve M. Harris, and that's Rodriguez's former South African label boss. And he says most of the tracks were on the ban list at SABC. I'm assuming that's South African Broadcasting Company. And they ran mm. the broadcast industry completely. They weren't, there weren't any independent radio stations or TV stations. Obviously, when the word got out, it just made the record more desirable. Or maybe it's broadcasting sensors. Maybe. Yeah. You know, it's like having something banned. You're yeah. 16, 17, and you've got something that's banned. It's absolutely perfect. That's awesome. It's like my copy of Mein Kampf. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So I want to play you um, a little bit from Can't Get Away, 1971, which is his second <clears throat> album. In rock and roll USA, in the shadow of the tallest building, I vowed I would break away. 
Listen to the Sunday actors But all they would ever say That you can't get away from it No, you can't get away Back to Cape Town, South Africa. Song, it is good, It's fucking good shit. Yeah, I'm going to go listen to some of these, maybe. They're amazing, man. I like the Sugar Man. That's going to be my nickname. It's Gangfest. Uh, okay. Good. good. Uh, you can roll with it. Um, make sure and listen to Cause. And just, by the way... Just introduce me in this podcast as the Sugar Man from now on. Done. It beats <laughs> fucking Sub Pussies. Can we get rid of Sub Pussies? No, Sub Pussies is what I respond okay, with. Okay, got it. Sub Pussies. By the way, I want to take a little uh, note here. Um, we Dave and I discussed before we did this, should we actually play Rodriguez's music or should we let me sing, which I love doing, but we figured it would be distractful. So that's why we chose to play the music. Distractful? Is that a word? I don't think so. Anyway, it would be too distracting. So the point is this. The one thing I hope people get through this message is go listen to these albums. Um, yeah. Of course, if you can buy them, great. I realize a lot of people don't anymore and that's okay. So just go ahead and put it on Spotify, Amazon, and let's just hope that this money goes back to his estate somehow. Or if you are in a record store and you still buy these albums, just buy them. Cold Fact is brilliant, and so is the second album Cold com- Fact. coming to reality. I wonder how much it costs. Uh, I'm sure it's it's probable. Yeah, it's, I mean, come on. They probably remade it. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, back in Cape Town, Stephen Sugar Siegerman says, Cold Fact was just one of the albums we had in our collection. And for 10 to 20 years, it was just a record we listened to and enjoyed. But then a pivotal event happened that changed everything for me. We were down in Camps Bay Beach. We're sitting around the beach and a friend of mine, a woman who was from South Africa, but she had gotten married and then immigrated to Los Angeles. And she said to me, where can I buy Cold Fact in South Africa? And I turn around and I pointed to a record store uh, you know, across the street. And she was like, really? And she said, because no, I don't know if you know this, but you can't buy this in America. Whoa. I've asked everywhere in America. Huh. And no one's ever heard of it. And this was a pivotal moment because I did not know that. I thought everybody knew who Rodriguez was, especially in America because he yeah. was an American. Yeah. So my next thought was, ah, oh, that's interesting. I went back, I came home, I took out my Rodriguez records and that's when I realized there was nothing on the record to tell us who he was or where he was from. Ah. On Cold so Fact... It never, it never says who produced the album or anything No, like it does. We're going to get uh, into that. Uh-oh. But he says, on Cold Fact, there are four names. On the front cover, it just says Rodriguez. But if you take the record out and examine the sleeve, the artist's name is Sixto Rodriguez, spelled S-I-X-T-O. Okay. Pronounced Sisto, by the Sisto. way. Sisto. But if you look at the tracks, six of these tracks are credited to Jesus Rodriguez, and four of these tracks are credited to six Prince. So who actually wrote these songs, and who uh, are these people? We didn't have information. Um, all, all we saw was him sitting cross-legged on the record with sunglasses and a hat on. Um, you know, so how do you solve this mystery? Right. You use whatever information's available. And what did we have? The internet. No. They didn't have the internet back then. Oh, no, they didn't. A record cover with lyrics, so we started digging deep within the lyrics. Nice. Okay? And some of them had geographical references. Hmm. Uh, the, The one... I'm living here on 6th Street in Detroit, down by the liquor store. He says, can't get away, starts off with Born in the Troubled City in Rock and Roll USA, 
Well, That's Detroit. Born in which troubled city? Seems all the cities were troubled in the 60s. <laughs> in the shadow of the tallest building. He's like, the tallest building, as far as we knew, that was in New York. And at the bottom of the song, this verse says, in a hotel room in Amsterdam. And then he's like, but then we go to going down a dusty Georgian side road, I wander. He's like, Georgia? So we have Amsterdam. We got Georgia. We got the world's tallest building. Nothing to go on. Well, we see... Uh, the outside of another Detroit location, Motor City Brewing Works, which fades into a sepia tone pencil sketch. It's a very, very beautiful transition. And Craig says, well, what I heard, and the story differs a lot. A lot of people have different versions of the story, but what I heard is he hadn't played a concert in a very long time, and a promoter got him to play a concert, and he was hoping it was going to be a great show. Of course, the show didn't work out, it started out because the sound wasn't good. The venue wasn't good. A lot of factors surrounding the show wasn't good. And as the show went on and on, it started going downhill from there. People started ridiculing him. People started whistling or making mention of the fact that the show hadn't gone as planned. And it got to a point where just very quietly, very gently, he just sang his last song. But thanks for your time then you can thank me for mine. And after that, said, forget it. Big news incoming. He yeah. then reached down and pulled up a gun Oh shit. and pulled the trigger. And that was the dramatic, very dramatic ending to what was actually a non-career. Hmm. Well, we pulled the trigger. Assuming he just shot himself. Himself? Yeah. Rodrigo? Yeah. They had heard, they thought he'd burned in a fire on stage. Remember? Yeah. But they have this information that he actually shot himself. What? Don't say how. Well, we see a headline from Cape News and it says Superstars Suicides. Well, Steven says in 96, the South African record, this is 96, the South African record label released Rodriguez's second album, Coming From Reality. Now, remember, this was originally released in 71. Right. Uh, comes out on CD for the first time in South Africa, though. Uh -huh. And because they thought I knew a lot about him, they asked if I would co-write the so liner notes. All those 20-year-olds are now 40. Yeah. But they go to Steven, yeah. Sugar Seegerman, to write the liner notes because they know he's a huge fan. Mm-hmm. And he says, I did, and I'll read some of it to you. They start off by saying, if, there, if ever there is an air of intrigue and mystery around a pop artist, it is around the artist known as Rodriguez. There's no air of intrigue and mystery around him anywhere else in the world because his two albums, Coming From Reality and Cold Fact, were monumental flops everywhere else. And this is the important part, he says. There were no concrete cold facts about the artist known as Rodriguez. Are there any musicologists, detectives out there? And that, that's the line that changed everything. So we basically wrote, wrote these liner notes and said, I don't know who this guy is. Yeah, help I me. need to help me, man. Well, Craig says, I started searching for Rodriguez when a few of us were sitting around in the army. And somebody said, how did Rodriguez die? And just a coincidence, at the time, I was looking for subject matter to write an article. And I remember having five points on a piece of paper. And they were the following. 
look for the lost South African Elvis record, find the antenna of Radio Freedom, look for Sean Phillips, find out how Rodriguez died, find out how Sun City really works. Any of these would be... Oh, that's it. Sorry. Yeah, those five. I was about to say. (laughs) No, I had a note in there that uh, I just, uh, you know... Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not perfect, Dave. Well, he says, I think this would make a good story. So that was in the back of my mind for many years. And then many years later, I came across this um, release of Coming From Reality. And inside the liner notes said, there's no concrete cold facts. Uh, Any musicologist detectives? And... Um, was the question. And I think to me, it was like an invitation. I said, well, maybe it's time. And he says, the first way I tried to find him was just follow the money. Normally you follow the money. That's how you get to the bottom of anything. Yeah. But where do this guy had to go to the masonry place and the carpenter and the fucking, (laughs) (laughs) but he says, but what happens to dead men's money? I'm astounded. No one knew anything about him. And it was reminiscent of how bad the music industry was. There were, they were renowned, of course, for ripping people off. Uh, and, is a, a, and it is one thing if they had said to me, oh, yeah, just send the money to X place or Y or whatever. But they just kept on being very vague. And in fact, when I put some pressure on somebody, I got an address and I called And I can't remember if I spoke to someone or left a message, but when I called the next day, the number had been changed. Whoa. And that to me was, I mean, that's a gift for anyone who wants to be a detective. Whoa. Is it an obstacle? Yes. But an obstacle is an inspiration. If you just find things easily, they're not as inspiring. And this was a great obstacle that somebody had changed their number. I just smelt dirty money. And that there was a story there. Hmm. Well, next we meet uh, Robbie Mann from RPM Records. Now, this man was Rodriguez's first South African label. And the interviewer says, so if you compare him to other artists, how big was it actually? And he says, it's just sold every month. And every party you went to, everybody played it. And you'd hear the album at least once. I don't think I could even think of how many albums he sold here because it's a long period of time. And he's like, what, what could be probable? And he's like, oh, half a million copies, you know, yeah. a lot of records, especially for a small country. Yeah. I mean, it's gold. It's a gold record <clears throat> 10 times over. Yeah. That's, all, that's just insane. Yeah. So the interviewer says, well, Rodriguez never got to know that he was big in South Africa. How could that have happened? And he says... I have no idea. I just find it strange. Well, do you, did you send royalties anywhere else? And he's like, of course. We sent royalties. We sent them to A&M Records and an old label that was A&M Sussex. Whether they had a partnership, whatever they had, I don't know. So my suggestion is if you could find whoever the person was who owned Sussex Records, then you'll find out what happened to the money. And he's like, well, this is really weird, don't you think? And he's like, it's very strange. Very strange. Well, next, the interviewer finds Steve Harris, who was the Teal True Tone um, label, which was the label for his second South African label. And he says, how popular was the album? Was he famous, you know, like the Rolling Stones or the greatest band of all time, The Doors? 
He doesn't say the greatest band part. Yeah, this isn't he says the Doors, though. And he says he was much bigger than the Rolling Stones. Wow. Absolutely. <clears throat> at the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he says, when you released the record, did you try and contact him? Uh, you know, and he says, no, not at all. Because at the time, the legend was, here was an artist. This was like Jimi Hendrix with Jimi Hendrix catalogs. You got to understand, if you just got Jimi Hendrix and you got the license for this territory, you're obviously not going to try and get a hold of Jimi Hendrix because he's dead. And he's like, well, but who did you pay the royalties to? And he's like, to Sussex Music. And then the, interview, the interviewer says, to Clarence? And he's like, yes. Well, to Sussex Music, which is his company. Well, Craig says, so I start making a diagram. I write down the whole path of the trail. I'm trying wow. to work it out. All the various touch points, the record companies, the people that had dealings with Rodriguez and his album. And I make this whole document. So I found out there were three record companies in South Africa that had released Rodriguez's records. Now, they break it down in a little chart. In 71, it's A&M Records, which is the LP. And then in 91, it goes to CD on Teal True Tone. And then in 2002, PT Music for a CD. Well, he says, finally discovering that led to a record company in America. It was a company that had been signing Rodriguez and creating his first album uh, called Sussex. I then did research on Sussex, and that led me to discover who the owner of Sussex Records was, a man named Clarence Avant. Clarence Avant had been head of Motown, one of the most prestigious jobs to have in the record company industry. So uh, I tracked him down, uh, but I kept getting closed doors. Uh, I couldn't get a hold of him. Now, they do note that Sussex Records was founded in 1969 and it folded in 75, but they get an interview with Clarence. So we see this interviewer and he sits down with Clarence. And before we talk about Clarence, Clarence worked with Bill Withers. You ever hear of him? Say no sunshine. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Miles Davis, you probably heard of him. That one I've heard of. Okay, Michael Jackson. Played for the Orioles. <laughs> Michael Jackson? No, no, Miles. I know. Davis. I'm going the I get it. Oh. I'm doing more names here. You work oh, with Michael Jackson? Okay. Yeah. Stevie Wonder? Yeah. Quincy Jones? I know Quincy. Janet Jackson? I know Janet. Dion Warwick? I know Warwick. Okay. Um, well, the man hands a picture to Clarence and says, I don't know if you've seen this picture before. And he goes, That's him. That's Rodriguez. I don't know when this was made. I have absolutely no idea. Uh, he's like, well, that's 1970. And he's like, yeah, that's my man. Man, don't get me emotional again. Shit. Made me fucking probably made that motherfucker fucking millions. You made me emotional once. I ain't getting emotional no more sitting here talking with you, man. If I had to name 10 artists that I had ever been involved with, Rodriguez would have been in the top five. Simple as that. Nothing... You never heard anything like him. People would say, well, Bob uh, Dylan. I said, no, 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 no. Bob Dylan was mild, this guy. Uh, did it make him money? Yeah, we judge singing here in America. You say, is it, was, was it top 100? Was it, was it, no, did it get to the charts, number 12? Was there a lot of radio play? The answer is no, man, nobody did. 
Rodriguez. Nobody, you know, that name doesn't register. Although he looked like he was a white man, but even still Rodriguez, everybody knew Rodriguez. That's a Spanish name, Latin <laughs> name, Latin, Latin music was not happening at that time. Well, for the record, Rodriguez does not look at all like a white guy. He actually looks like he might be Native American mm. and maybe some Asian ancestry in addition to his Latin roots. Well, the interviewer continues, how many records do you think he sold in America? In America, six. <laughs> maybe. My wife bought one. My daughter. No, wait a minute. She was too young. She couldn't have bought one at the time. It didn't sell here. You know, there's some excitement about him. A couple agents heard him and wanted to bring him into California. You know, when he came to California, he was nervous. He turned his back to the audience and everybody said, what the hell is this? <laughs> But this is the guy that sold hundreds of thousands of records in another country. I, I'm going to South Africa to try to chase somebody who's selling records. Shit, no, man. <laughs> but did you did you know he was big in South Africa? Rodriguez? Well, yeah, you're getting the checks. Rodriguez, young man. Never happened in so far as I'm concerned, period. But if I'm really going to track down the money, how should I do it? Well... Is that important, the money? <laughs> <laughs> this fucking scumbag. Or, or Rod, which is important, Rodriguez's story or you worried about the money? How many people in South Africa? 40 million? 40 million people? 40,000? 40, 40 million? How many people? There's 40 million people in South yeah, yeah, Africa. Yeah. Well, well, so they've been freed for how long? Three hours? Oh, God. <sighs> So what the fuck is that guy, supposed is to mean? white or black? What do you think? <laughs> Aren't you the point where you're supposed to say, is that your fucking black man accent? Yeah, yeah. I can't tell. He says, this is just shocking the way he says this. He says, well, so they've been free for how long? Three hours? So what the fuck's that supposed to mean? You told me at lunch they scratch records because they wouldn't let the lyrics. So the underground moon, how big was that? How big was that? He sold half a million records in South Africa. I know, I know. So he sold half a million records. So what? I don't know who he sold them to. How many distributors did he have? I have no idea. There are only three. Um, there are three record labels. I spoke to all the record labels. Um, Oh, go back to him. Tell him, send me an account. You think it's something I'm going to worry about and not just sell the contract? If you do, you're out of your goddamn mind. Buddha Records out of business. I'm out of business. You think they give a shit about that? I know I wouldn't. So <laughs> there's a very contentious uh, interview subject, to say the least. Uh, what are your thoughts when you hear that? Does your gut feeling say this guy jacked the money? Well, <laughs> first of all, I don't know how much more or less the albums are going for over there. But also, you sell half a million records. You're making a couple bucks. Somebody's getting it, the money, bro. Yeah, somebody's getting the money. And um, <clears throat> maybe the contract never said anything the about international sales. <laughs> the interesting thought that I had about that conversation no is there is a slight moment where he says, you talked to me about this at lunch. I think what this interviewer did, what, didn't give him the whole story, kind of butter him up at lunch yeah, yeah. and then did an ambush. Yeah. I'm not going to say ambush. He's asking some neat, you know, necessary tough questions to yeah, this Clara Savant yeah. character. yeah. yeah. Well, Don't you want to know about his story? 
especially he's diverting so hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Stephen uh, Sugar Sigerman, he says, I've been looking for information about Rodriguez for a long time. I even set up a web page called The Great Rodriguez Hunt in the hope that someone out there in cyberspace would post a message on the forum giving us any information about Rodriguez, but nothing came up. Well, I found a copy. This is me. Hmm. of the great Rodriguez hunt. <clears throat> and it read, we're after the facts. I wonder how many of you know what happened to the enigmatic 60s folk singer, Jesus Rodriguez. Well, we don't. So the reason for the great Rodriguez hunt is that we are no longer satisfied with an urban legend that is only good for conversation. With the aid hmm. of these pages, we hope to establish a Rodriguez hotline and find the whereabouts and life story of the mystical figure in urban folklore. This site, the only known Rodriguez site on the internet, lets you discover his own anthology, buy his album, or take part in the Rodriguez Forum. So if they you, don't even know if he even died that way or not. They have no clue. Wow. If you see this man in a 7-Eleven with Elvis somewhere in downtown Johannesburg, you'll know who to contact. They post him... On the back of a milk carton. Wow, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Well, Stephen says, at this stage, I met Craig. He was the musicologist detective who had read my liner notes, and he was searching for Rodriguez. So he flies down to Cape Town, and we meet, and we exchange information. But unfortunately, he had very little. And at that stage, I remember we felt it was probably best if we just gave up. Well, Craig says, basically, I'm lost at this point. I'm at a dead end. I couldn't find him. I didn't know where to look anymore. I'd even visited the places that he hung out. London, Amsterdam. Oh, God. Well, he always, the places are the, on the liner notes. Sure, sure, sure. So just this saying, is like, literally all he's got. He's walking into cities, just randomly interviewing people. That's awesome. And one day, um, I'm in, you know, uh, listening to... Um, one uh, inner city blues, one of his great songs, and I thought, hang on a minute, I never checked out Dearborn. I didn't oh, even shit. know. That's where my mother went. She came to the United States. Dearborn. Oh, really? Did. Yeah. So he pulls out an atlas and he finds Dearborn and puts the pieces together and says, Detroit, Motown, Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, and eventually Mike Theodore, the producer of the album. So let's go to August 1997. Okay. We're meeting with Mike Theodore, who co-produced Cold Fact. And he says, I'm sitting in my condo, just having a cup of coffee. I'm looking out the window, watching the ocean. The phone rings. It's a long-distance call from South Africa, from a writer whose name is Craig Bartholomew. And he starts telling me this amazing story. So he said, do you know that Rodriguez has been selling in South Africa for 25 years? His albums have sold millions. I said, What? Then he's sitting there, and he wants to start telling me some stories. He said, how did Rodriguez die? He's telling me information that he had, that Rodriguez had blown his brains out on stage or set himself on fire. That's so, like, far from each other. Yeah, well. That's so crazy. Keep in mind, they're isolated. They're just, they don't know. You, yeah, we, man, you know, I get it. It's like growing up on an island, man. So... Craig says, I had a question, hundred questions I wanted to ask. I was just hoping I could get all my questions in, you know? Why did he write this lyric? Why did he write that lyric? 
where did he record this album? Where did he record that album? And we got to talking. And I asked him a lot of questions, and it was amazing. It was a roller coaster ride of questions and answers. And it was a euphoric moment of just having finally broken through and discovered something. And finally, I got one question I wanted answered. How did Rodriguez die? Did he blow himself up on stage? Was it this dramatic story? Let's open the lid on this right away and find out what happened. And Mike Theodore said, what do you mean dead? He's not dead. Oh, my God. I knew it. I fucking knew it, dude. Sixto is alive. No, dude. He's alive and kicking. The principal artist. He's writing jingles for Pepsi. Known as Sixto (laughs) Rodriguez is alive and kicking and living in Detroit. No. Fuck my life. Yep. So, be honest. Did you really see it coming? I mean, part of me was like some Tupac shit. When like he's still alive, like this guy, oh. did like there's the the two stories are so far apart from each other. They're like, man, this guy must have either like spread the rumor himself or something, or <clears throat> or something like that, just so he can. I don't know. Well, it's keep in mind, this is '97. Yeah, it's 20 years later. Yes. more than 20 years. Yes, and keep in mind, this doc is released in 2012. Well, Steve Harris says, I can't remember who called me and said they found him. Right. I said, No, you're shitting me. This isn't, no. And at first I thought it was a hoax. I thought somebody was faking it. You know, it's like going into Tutankhamun's tomb and finding the mummy. You know, it was like, wow, he lives. Well, Stephen Sugar Siegerman says, I remember dancing on the spot when I was staying on the phone. And Craig and I were jumping up and down saying, we found him. We found him. It was the most exciting thing. We'd actually done it. Hold on, I got it. We're recording. Five. Four. Yeah. So whenever you, you're ready, you're ready. So reset it? Just reset it from the beginning. Okay, yeah. hold on. That's what's tricky. Because it's only on a 10 second. Yeah, I'm saying, we found him, we found him. That was the most exciting thing. We'd actually done it. Okay. Go ahead. Ready when you are. Yep. Five, four, three, two. Just a song we shared out here. Brings memories back when you were here Of your smile, your easy laughter Of your kiss, those moments after I think of you Well, Craig says that was it. I'd come to the point. It was the end of the story. I was searching for a dead man. One morning I discovered a living man. And to me, that was the end of the story. I wrote my article. Fucking sick, dude. I love that. (laughs) It's it's Tupac, man. It's fucking, it's the South African Tupac. (laughs) I called it looking for Jesus. I faxed it to many individuals, many people involved, but somehow this article made its way across the Atlantic and into the hands of someone in America And what I thought was the end of the story was actually just the beginning of another story. And the best part was still to come. Yeah. And with that, we will finish with part two of Searching for Sugar Man next week. What do you think is going to happen, Dave? They're going to go to him and they're going to be like, 
this guy stole all your money. And he's like, yeah, I let's get your fucking money. I don't care. <laughs> I, I just want to sing my songs. I just play my guitar. <laughs> I think you might be stereotyping. <laughs> Slowpoke, Rodriguez. I'm not, I'm not stereotyping anything. Looney Tunes is. Okay. Um, what do you what do you think so far? Are you enjoying it? It's pretty fucking cool, man. It is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And I mean, dude, the music is like again, it's uh-huh. so hard because I don't feel like I've ever heard any of the songs. How however they sound familiar, yes, and the melodies seem to work, yes. and it's simple, yes, and like you kind of hear it and you know what's coming next, yes, but you don't. I don't know if it's I've ever very, heard it. Very interesting that you say that. I mean, hopefully. They're not stolen. No, no. Here's It's very interesting you say that because I thought about this too. And I'm like, why am I attracted to this music? And I like very dense music. I like... Because <laughs> you're fucking dense. <laughs> I like uh, lots of storytelling. And, uh, you know, like, for example, this is the opposite of Bruce Springsteen. The, the Ulysses. This is the that opposite song, of... Bruce. Yes. I love that song too. Oh, no, I was talking about the James Joyce novel. No, I'm talking about the Cream song, Ulysses. Oh, I don't know the Cream song, Ulysses. Oh, it's fucking... And I know like a lot storytelling. Of it's the greatest storytelling song. So my point is, like, if you look at something like Bruce Springsteen, Jungle Land, and it's 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 a novel, and it's yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. But then if you look at something like this, it's very simple, but it still tells a lot of story in the simple uh, structure of the writing. Right. So I could appreciate both for different reasons. Right. Um, when mood, when the, when the music sets a mood and the lyrics enhance that mood, you, it's noticeable. Just yeah. like you're saying, get it in the chills or whatever. Well, and obviously like the man's talented, not just sure. lyrically, but he could sing. And sure. uh, obviously the rhythm that uh, he he's capable of, you know, displaying is a part of the whole entire package. And you'll hear that once you go more in depth into listening capable to of good hope. Cold Fact and uh, coming to reality. Anyway, that's all we have time for today. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave. Um, uh, please remind the listeners what they can do to help us out and keep this little engine running. Hey, go to our Apple podcast mm-hmm. section. Leave a five star review. Tell me how much. Tell me how much you hate me. I, I don't yeah. care. It, you could say Dave sucked balls. As long as you leave us a five star review, that's okay. okay. You can also go on Spotify and leave us a review per episode. And those get reviewed and they have to be approved or whatever. But uh-huh. we do that every so often. Yep. You can leave us a message, too, on, on Spotify, apparently. So I think mm-hmm. maybe we you just have to do approve that. them and I do approve them. OK, like an, yeah. I'm talking about like an audio message, like a voicemail. Oh, I didn't know that. I think you can do that. that is wild. Uh, if not, I'll, I'll, I'll go in and shut, <laughs> okay. shut, shut that up for everybody. But of course, the best way get into that fucking Discord channel right. is pretty litty. And we got the memes in there. And if you've never seen any of the memes, they're pretty something. They're on yep. another level. Shoot us the old repost on X, as it were. <laughs> um, uh, the, do one show announcement this week. Uh, this is a long overdue thank you. Um, I want to acknowledge somebody that is uh, instrumental to the success of the show. And that is a woman by the name of Jessica Zippe. Now, Dave, 
uh, you know Jess as the bang, the bang, as the person that helps us uh, with the scripts. Jessica, yes, she's very nice. On so the phone. I want to thank you, Jess, for all of the hard work you put in, uh, because uh, I can't do the we can't do the show without you, and we're right. great grateful for all your. Hard well, work. I won't do the show without you. <laughs> Let's just put it that way, because. <laughs> Um, special thanks to our sponsor, Broccoli Farms, and uh, we'll see you all uh, next week, and we'll wrap up this up with episode 60. See you in the Discord. Pop us a retweet or a repost whenever you can. See you next week, everybody. Yeah.